Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Hey, how we doing? Doing good. What's up, brother? Welcome back for another episode. Hey, this is Evan Layton with H-Town Happy Hour. Derek Dale Televi here with H-Town Happy Hour, number one podcast in the world. Baby. In the world, brother. Let them know. And we have a very special guest for you today. Hi, I'm Josh Merwin, founder of the International Sports Film Festival Houston. Nice. Awesome. International Sports Film Festival. Huh? Yeah. So uh, what is that? Tell us about it. Yeah, so it's a festival geared towards sports films. Um, we've gotten mostly documentaries in terms of submissions, um, but sports stories about athletes on and off the field, mainly off the field, kind of how sports threads into life. Um, and, you know, just interesting stories kind of getting behind the scenes with the athletes and learning who they really are. So is it more for out of perspective of like the whole overall team or is it like a player's view or is it like a coach's view like how, what kind of it, it's more i mean it's more personal life view home view you know it depends on the film obviously um but a lot of we get a lot of cause-based films a lot of films that are dealing with with um inequality in the world um and as you guys probably know you know a lot of barriers were broken on the field by athletes that were then followed in society. I mean, looking back historically, Muhammad Ali, Althea Gibson, um, athletes that really, you know, in re- um, in Frank, uh, oh God. You're good. <laughs> you going to say in retrospect or what? Huh? No? What were you saying? No, I don't know. I just, Jackie Robinson. I just can oh, okay. out. Nice. Um, you know, Jackie Robinson. I think that's, you know, sports is, has a unique power to bring people together <clears throat> from all different walks of life. I love it. Yes. Um, and, and that's what we're doing, bringing people together, whether it's, you know, um, people that love films, people that love sports, people that love athletes, um, you know, and really cultivating an audience, you know, from the ground up. Um, yeah. I think a lot of film festivals, the audience tends to traditionally be an older generation. Um, and I think with ours, we're, we can get a mix of both. Um, yeah. So we've got sports activities for kids and mm-hmm. adults. Um, but I think bringing the activities side in is important. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, because, I mean, I think a lot of people can, I mean, the not, probably 99% of the world either knows somebody who plays a sport or has a favorite athlete, or has like a a child, or a brother, or a sister, or a mother, somebody who played sports. So it's like it can be related back to almost anybody, like you yeah, said. Yeah, I mean, and it goes back to family, right? I mean, one of the first ways you get introduced to sports is usually by you know a parent, a grandparent, remember, and it yeah. just it's it's ingrained into into society and the families. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. you know whether it's you know, little league. I mean, it's you've got you know. <clears throat> high-powered CEOs that have, you know, zero time for any 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 free time for recreational stuff, basically. You know, what are they going to go to? They're going to go to kids' baseball games. Yep. And, and it's something that transcends, like, all cultures. Like, it, it every culture has sports. Yeah, and, like, and different sports, different sports that yeah. are focused on. And that's the beauty of having this in Houston is that we're the biggest melting pot yep. in the country. And so we can cater to all the different demographics mm-hmm. through different sport films. And then... Yeah. You know, bring people together from. from different Does backgrounds. anyone play cricket in Texas? Is that a is that a game that? I actually played cricket at the um, with Leighton Hewitt at the. Um, <laughs> What's his name? Leighton Hewitt. He's a pro tennis player. Or was he's a retired pro tennis? My last name was Leighton. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. So I used to photograph. I, my background started off in sports photography. From the time I was a kid, I wanted to shoot for ESPN magazine, Sports Illustrated. Yeah. Um, and so I was shooting the men's clay courts that used to be over at Westside, mm. um, and it was a it was raining, so they. We started playing cricket on one of the tennis courts. Nice. It was a lot of fun. Nice. Lane was a super nice guy. I'll be honest. I don't know how to play cricket. I don't know the rules or anything. I've, I've never played a game in my life, but, but I was just wondering if they have it here. But the yeah, thing is, is in other, in a lot of other countries, it's more popular than any other sport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes baseball and things like that. Well, baseball, I don't think is as much. Soccer, well, yes. Yes, but I mean, in Amer- America's pastime, a lot of people are turning it into their current time. <laughs> 
you know, with baseball. I feel like yeah. that, it's getting into a lot of different areas, too. Really, yeah. internationally? More, yeah. yeah, I guess a little bit. Um, right. But I think it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens with soccer over the next yeah. four years as right. we lead up to the World Cup in the U.S. Yep. Um, so, so what was, uh, I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm jumping in over here. What was the first film you ever made? And what was it about? Well, that, that's how, yeah, I mean, that's the genesis of the story, right, in the festival. So um, I grew up in Houston, went to Beller High School, um, knew from a, the time I was a kid I wanted to be a photographer. I uh, was actually started with speaking of sports. So I was playing basketball with my dad at my grandparents' house memorial. Um, I wasn't very good. <laughs> Not just because I'm short, I just wasn't very good. So I kept throwing the ball, and it, it would hit the backboard or hit the garage and bounce over the fence. We call those bricks. Yeah, bricks, yeah. exactly. Just <laughs> laying a lot we of bricks. We call those bricks, bro. Yes. Um, and, and so we had to go around to get the, the ball a couple of times, and I, the third time I found a $20 bill on the ground. And my dad's like, we found it on the ground, you can get whatever you want. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is awesome. So I'm thinking Toys R Us. We go to Toys R Us, take two trips there, couldn't find anything I wanted, couldn't find the perfect thing. was at Target with my mom, and I saw a Polaroid camera for 1999, and I was like, that's the perfect thing. I think I was like seven or eight. Uh, um, so, you know, bought the Polaroid camera. With that, you know, obviously the roll of film was $5 each. So they, <laughs> they covered that cost, thankfully. Um, you know, but that's where I, I kind of Wise got my investment start. on the yeah, parents, exactly. right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, um, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of how I got my start. And then went to the University of Colorado Boulder um, for college. Did a double major in journalism and film. Um, and awesome. Yeah, and then um, it was great. I was skiing four days a week. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have chapter three done uh, on uh, next week. Yeah, whatever, professor. Whatever, <laughs> yeah. professor. That's funny. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, but still doing my work and hanging out with you know professional skiers up there. Um, but got the chance to go to the Olympics in Sydney as a voluntary photo assistant in 2000. Oh, wow. How was that? It was amazing. Um, left school for a month, um, kind of did the work. We did they give you credit for that? I didn't get credit for oh. it, um, but in fact, the film teacher, film department didn't want to let me go because they had film one and then film two, and they didn't want somebody to take film two before they did film one. So my professor got so upset with them, he just said, screw it. He's like, you go, you come back, you'll take the test, you know, and, you know, take the class. Was this through one. the school that you got to, to go it this wasn't, trip? Or? It was, um, I w it was still in school, but no, it was, I went to the MPPA, which is the National Press Photographers Association, has conferences every year yeah um so i volunteered at one of the conferences in san francisco nice and bradley wilson was the person who was running kind of the student volunteers um he had a contact that was running the olympics the photo department um so i went to sydney for a month um but be it's funny bringing in, in veil so the my friend tamara who i met her at a at a party in veil when i was like probably 20 she was like 27 and I'm like in love. <laughs> she's, she's like, um, yeah, so we can, you can be like my new best friend, but we're not going to get. Nah, baby, you're the one. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, I, they just like adopted me and like her, her brother lived there and then, um, her roommate, Jenny. So her and her roommate had a two bedroom house with a loft. So I would just stay in the loft. Mm. Jenny was from Australia. So when I got the opportunity, Jenny's like, my mom, my parents live there. You know, if you want to stay with my it's mom, my sister. Say, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I was super lucky. So I got to stay there, you know, for free. Um, and I was at the baseball stadium. So like Roy Oswalt was, was playing. Adam Everett was playing on that team. Ben Sheets. And they won gold. So it was Damn. amazing. Um, what was that whole overall experience being like? Not just like being a part of the team doing the film or photography, but also just getting to experience that at a young age. Oh, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's, City was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and, and then to be at the baseball stadium with future Astros, you know, yeah. maybe they were in the minors for the Astros. And then I, because of the photography I'd 
done with this, like ski photography in, in that industry, um, I knew the Oakley ski reps. And so I don't know if you guys remember the OTTs. They were the, the in 2000, they came out and they were like over the top. So they came just straight over their head and they just had like, they were silver. <laughs> mm-hmm. They had two lenses here. So one of the Oakley reps for baseball came down. And I was talking to him the first day and like let him in the dugout. And he was like, I can go down here. I'm like, yeah, sure. Nobody's no photographer here. He's like, awesome. So I started talking to him and he told me he worked for Oakley. And I was like, oh, I know that it's two other Oakley reps. And he's like, dude, they're flying in tomorrow. He's like, we were in and out the Bondi Beach Club. You can come whenever you want. Free food, free booze. Savage. Yeah, it was Savage. insane. How old were yeah. you? 20 or 21. Nice, dude. That's Yeah, so, that's yeah a at a young story. age like that, being able to experience that, I mean, like, you have a story for the rest of your life. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. can talk I mean, about was, that with anyone. If anyone's like, yeah, I played minor baseball, you're like, well, I, for the Olympics, you know, yeah. went to Sydney with the... Yeah, well, and it got it was even better. Cause I, so I met a sports illustrated photographer mm-hmm. at the championship game, ended up assisting him back in the States, like every every major event, Super Bowl, um, stuff wow. like that. And then the Salt Lake Olympics in 2002, um, which was awesome. So that was like actually paid and with SI. Um, Damn. And it was not as much fun I'm as noticing Sydney, a common. But... I'm not noticing a common theme here is is you're constantly meeting people that lead to something else. Like you're going, you went to the the, uh, the one in San Francisco and you met some people that led to the Olympics. Then you met some people Olympics that yeah, led I to mean, the Olympics paid gig. And that's, that's pretty I dope, think, man. you know, that's how you got to do it, right? Yeah. Um, Everywhere you go approach, you can yeah, talk. Yeah, I mean, I think that's been a hurdle over the past year and a half. I mean, with COVID Ooh. not being able to network and, you know. Yeah. Um, and for me, like, so I... So I, well, I guess I'll backtrack with the SI stuff. So I ended up meeting all the SI editors at the Olympics, obviously, in Salt Lake. And I cold called ESPN Magazine in, in New York and somehow forced my way in the door mm-hmm. um, and got an assignment like Banging down day. doors, bro. <laughs> Evan well, doesn't I, know about banging down doors. <laughs> Come on, dude. He doesn't <laughs> know about making cold calls and stuff. He doesn't really, he's scared of it. Yeah, all that sort of uh, fresh, cold interaction. I really can't stand it. Yeah. It's, it's a complete joke. I love it. I am, I am breaking it. <laughs> he's like, oh, well, that's. Yeah. No, seriously, man. I mean, it's like I, I just remember I, I remember when I was selling books door to door, there was like a group of like 13, 14 people out there having a big old birthday party. And I'm 17 years old. And they're Scary. like, they're like, just go up and approach him and sell books. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> I go up there and uh, it was just the fear of like, man, these guys are going to reject me. And guess what? They rejected my ass. Good. Good. <laughs> they they Good. did. I loved it so much. But it should be like part of a class in every school, right? Right. High school because it's like rejection to, and failure. Well, I'm just getting over the, the, fear. the fear. I mean, of, that's, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, because I know some people that also say that, like, you know, obviously, you know, you interacting, I mean, with people getting to get you to the next stone, get you to the next stone, you have to put yourself out there and, and tell them, hey, this is my goal. This is what I'm trying to do. This is what I'm doing. And then they say, hey, I might be able to help with that. Yeah. Let me. Let me tell you who I know and what we can do. Yeah, one vice versa is who you can help too. Perfect example too is he just kept bugging us until we let him do <laughs> these, the, this film festival in post. He just kept bugging us until we let him do it. I will, sure enough, I will persist until I succeed. Yeah. Sure enough, that's what that's you know that's how we met each other. Is is he just had the uh, the film festival here at post over the weekend? Um, yeah, I mean it was you know. Um, yeah, it was a challenging month for everybody, but it's I'm yeah. glad we were able to do it and get it through. And you know, now looking forward to, to doing stuff, you know, in the future. I mean, I think March fifth we'll do screen a league around to feature women in sports, um, and we'll do pop up screenings basically every month throughout the year um, as we build our audience and, and feature what's going on. So March is Women's History Month, April's Organ Donor Awareness Month, um, in May isn't is May like Mental Health Awareness? Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, we did that with Enrique. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, and then June's Pride Month, um, and so I think 
well, we'll get into later, but we'll do some workshops too over the summer. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so how, how'd you overcome that hurdle of not being able to network as much during COVID? I mean, how were you able to still make your power moves and your all-star plays? Uh, I mean, I think just persistence and just kind of meeting the right people. I think for, for, for now it's, it's figuring out the team that's you're building kind yeah. of going forward. Um, I think there are people that were going to do stuff that couldn't do it. And so now it's, you know, figuring out the people that could do stuff and follow through, um, and, and just building. I mean, it, everything felt so much fell on me that one thing we didn't do enough of is, is promote and get a bigger audience. But, um, yeah. but I think now with, we'll have a month for the next event and we can start doing that. Well, kinda, you were focused on the craft, weren't you? Well, the crime, everything. I mean, it turned into, you know, full event management, mm. um, which is hard for anybody to do. There's, you know, as you guys know, there's <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of pieces. It um, is. And not only do you have to plan it all, but you're also the fixer. You have to yeah. be the fireman. You have to run out putting fires constantly. Yeah. Damage control yeah. everywhere yeah. you go. But I mean, I got an intern who became my assistant, Autumn. She was amazing. I mean, yeah. kind of... I've got so many ideas in my head swirling around yeah. that I just need somebody to help me get them focused. Yeah. Um, or, like, take the note down so we can go back to it later. Yeah. I think that's a that's a big thing about, you know, event coordination and event planning is building the team. And, and, and not not only, like, not only, but also being able to delegate. Like, yeah. knowing how and when to delegate. I even find myself a lot... Uh, just in the business world a lot like constantly i'll be just i'll do it all I'll, I'll, I'll do this i'll do this i'll do this i'll do this and as i start to realize like as uh, as i built a team around me and stuff like just learning how to delegate and like damn if i would have just told them to do this ask them to do this sooner you know it would have got done way faster it wouldn't have if i wouldn't have just kept pushed it back a couple times but especially in the business world like it's it's not a bad thing like delegation is key and i feel like that's that's a part of being a good leader is is being able to build the right team and learn people's uh and be able to give them the right job yeah yeah for as, sure as, right. as, as well as be able to know find what qualities what things people are good at and uh pinpoint those and, and know how to steer things their way to kind of <laughs> feed their creativity as well as get shit done yeah, well, I mean, I think that's you give them stuff that they succeed at, yep. and you know, you learn over time. I mean, yeah. I think that's you know, that's we we had the first festival in June twenty one. It was supposed to be discovering the whole weekend, mm-hmm. um, and then it was supposed to flood th- three days before. Yeah. Um, wow. So you know, weather's been a challenge, and COVID's been a challenge. But I think for me, looking at at the festival landscape and event landscape, it's led to okay, let's not do a five day event that's huge right now. Let's do a day and a half here, a day or a day and a half in a month you know and same thing throughout the year so as we cultivate and build our audience we're not overextending ourselves on what we're doing right and you know once we get a lot of sponsors on board they're not you're not stuck because what happened with covid is you know it hit a lot of film festivals especially in 2020 they just canceled they didn't well, even go not virtual. just film festivals everything bro, all right. festivals right. big events public everything. gatherings yeah, yeah. everything yeah. so it's almost every industry was infected but, couldn't but, even but, work out of the gym huh you couldn't even work out of the gym yeah it was well especially in new york i mean i was living in new york at the time so, I mean, we had four and a half year old twins, boy and a girl, Jack and Samantha. And, you know, luckily we had a backyard, which is, you know, unheard of. We were on the Upper West Side. Yeah, in New um, York. That's crazy. Yeah. So it allowed us to stay until, until like, our lease was up in May and they wouldn't reduce the rent. <laughs> we're like, there's no way. Yeah. And we're staying. What do you so, mean you're not going to pay another $5,500 a month to live here? a little less than that. But, it, I mean, it was, our apartment was <clears> insane. I mean, it was two floors with... Two bedrooms in an office in a backyard a block away from Central Park. Wait, how how this expensive as hell though? 
Yeah, it's, it's super expensive. Yeah, but it's because the closet that, in New York <laughs> is expensive. Yeah, <laughs> that closet's gonna run you about a stack, player. Well, but I mean, we, you know, I thought at the time, like, you know, it took me months to find that apartment. And I'm like, this, you know, kids can go to public school. I mean, mm-hmm. we were, it was just set up to be there for the next 15 years, and then COVID hit, and you know, with the rent there, and then, um, you know, with the film festival in Houston, originally I was gonna stay in New York and travel back and forth, mm-hmm. um, but obviously that wasn't possible during COVID. So yeah. moved back here and then got divorced after six months back back here, which is another hurdle in the thing. Wow! You know? um, Did your significant other stay here? Or? We're all here. Yeah, we moved here together. So okay. it's 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 much better being here. I think we'll both be happier in the long run. Yeah, you know, and the, and the kids will be happier too. So the the kids go to school five minutes away from me, five minutes away from her. So they're kind of right in between us. Nice, um, which is good. So yeah, and you're originally from Houston. Yeah, originally said, so. from Houston, and really like starting this. You know, when I wanted to start it, you know, I was like, where would it great place to be and I want to give something back to my hometown and it's halfway between New York and LA and it's again the melting pot and it's got the college fandom obviously professional sports fandom um, so I think it's a, you know it's a great sports town and I think we need another major big cultural event here I think um, you're right and that's the beauty of finding the post and also I think that the the opportunity here for that is huge yeah like, I mean there's so many different avenues that Houston's like hey we need another because we have the area to do it yeah you know we have the area to do these big time inviting events that bring people together yeah you know? for so, sure so what was the benefit of finding post well i mean I, <laughs> I think it's no i mean i think what you guys have done is incredible i mean the, yeah. making it the cultural hub of houston i mean mm-hmm. i think that's you know in a very short time i mean yep. we, we did a small activation you know the opening weekend with, with i think it was team savage was there the opening yeah. weekend right yeah. yeah so i've had this idea oh, yeah, for like these act, yeah danny's great like these activities and so i've had this idea to do like a mini kids car racer or something like that and yeah. so i just with like go karts or something, or well, like, like the kids' electric cars. So like I bought some Lamborghinis, like kids' electric <laughs> Lamborghinis, and we had them on display during the car show. So it's like you know you've got a Lamborghini right next to a kids one next to a real one. So he can, people, the kid can hop in and beep beep beep. Yeah, I mean we had to be a little careful with kids driving it. Uh, yeah. one, one kid almost hit one of the Lamborghinis, but it was his dad's. So they were more cons- <laughs> they were more concerned about my car, and I'm like my car, that, my that, kid's car is fine. That reminds me, whenever I went surfing with my old man a long time ago. We went down to one of these beaches, and like I, I was probably like seven, eight, nine years old, you know, not really big enough to carry my own surfboard. I had his board, and I had it on my head, right? I was carrying it on my head, just walking like this. And then I remember the wind, the wind caught, and the wind <laughs> caught me up like this, and the wind caught me down, like, bam! And I broke the tip of his surfboard. Nice. I bet he How did that go down? Oh, no, he was stoked. He was like, Evan, you smart child. You uh, you always think before you do, don't you? And uh, I'm sure you really that, that calm of an atmosphere. <laughs> you idiot! What are you thinking? Oh, I'm sorry, Dad. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny how your kids can frustrate you so easily. Yeah. And it's like... Well, tell us a little bit about one of, the, one of the bigger leaps of faith that you had to do while doing this. Um, like I what was something that was scary? I mean, I you. think just doing it the first time in June was, you know, during COVID, we didn't know what was going on. I mean, yeah. we, we got basically noticed like a month before that we could actually do it. Um, I think just, you know, taking a leap of faith and doing it was, yeah. was the biggest. Just thing. taking action, actually yeah. doing it, pulling it off. Well, and then realizing like, you know, okay, well, you know, there's a lot of people saying no, mm-hmm. but like, let's find the people that say yes, and that's yeah. kind of for building my team. Like, that's what I want. Like. It's not going to be perfect, but that's yeah. totally fine. Right, absolutely. Um, but we gonna, just have yeah. to, you know, we just have to go do it, and that, you know, that's the only way you're going to succeed. Right? right. And if you wait until everything's perfect, you're never going to fucking do it. Right. Yeah. And then also, sure. it, it, the time's never going to be perfect either. Yeah. It's never going to be like, oh well, now that I'm doing nothing today, let's get what I needed to do done. 
There was somebody I was talking to the other day. I was setting up my uh, my gas bill. I'm serious. I was. I was setting <laughs> okay, up. I got a yeah. story about that. All right. Cool. 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 After this one, I got yeah, you. Yeah. Right? But yeah, I was sitting there talking to him, and I was like, I was like, yeah, no, no, no. You know, real estate or a law clerk, and I also have a company called H Town Happy Hour. Me and my business partner, we started this seven years ago, and now we have a podcast over a quarter million people. He's like, man, I want to do a podcast. Man, I got all the equipment. I got all the everything. I got all the ah, blah, blah. And he wanted to do it in sports. I said, well, dude, why aren't you doing it? He goes, well, man, well, you know, I just, man, that's whatever the, oh, you didn't take that leap of faith yet, huh? Yeah. You didn't do it yet. And I was like, dude, you just got to go out there and do it. I was like, nobody told us how how to do our podcast. There wasn't anyone who was like, hey. Here's your outline. Right. Here's your time frames. <laughs> Here's your followers. Yeah. It was like, no, I mean, him and I sit there and we'll talk to each other over the past couple of months. We're like, hey, okay, what are we doing this weekend? Who are we inviting on this this weekend? We just, you have to just go out and actively do it and you learn as you fail or succeed. Either way, if you're not learning, then you're not actually, you're not doing it. Yeah. yeah I mean, shit, take it around full circle, even, even like, the way on kind of a massive bigger scale is even like with post bro yeah like the whole time everyone thought we were insane like we're over here building a mall when malls are dying it's not really a mall that's why i love how you kind of segued like presented it as a cultural hub that's exactly what it is bro. it's a cultural campus like it's representative of all the different cultures like you had mentioned houston's a melting pot it's a representative of all different cultures we've got uh this huge mexican art exhibit like very high art sculptures paintings everything coming uh at towards the end of this month um to kind of represent the latino culture here in houston and then like uh juneteenth we're doing a big juneteenth event so it's like we're all all i mean and i mean the houston sports film festival like we're all about every different culture and i mean shit even towards the end of this month you know it is black history month we have we're partnering with lululemon and we're doing a uh uh black women like uh black women are equal like art exhibit with uh with this really talented group that does different art exhibitions so it's like it's 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 all about the culture and and it, the whole time we were doing all this different stuff and like planning it all everyone thought like yo what are y'all talking about like what are y'all even doing and no one believed us like getting getting actual tenants at post in the beginning was like the hardest part yeah because everyone was like what's well, like a, it's, yeah, yeah we'll i mean it's like we yeah and for us it's like building the audience and, and yeah i feel like it's because it's it's such a big thing it's such a big idea yeah it's so gargantuan and theory right. yeah. that it was hard for people to really wrap their heads around about the concept that's happening and the people that are in there now are like man thank god we bit on that yep thank yep. god we bit yep. on that we but, have been busy 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 well, yep. from my perspective too i mean not just with the festival like personally like i you know i, mean, I want to get more involved with you guys and i think yeah. you guys need a little more help too so i'm happy to come on board and help with that just kind of you know come up with ideas i mean for me it's you know my kind of ideal dream role is like creative director you know either at a company or a startup and kind of where you can help because i can the ideas I have, so it's just getting those out and having people be able to help execute them, or having them take the idea and say, "Oh, this is the idea for your business, like or startup." That's why this I write stuff down yeah. so frequently because I have a lot of ideas. I don't know what to do with them. Yeah, I don't know where to put them. So, if I, so I write them down. You know. Yeah, I mean, I know how to activate them, but it's just a bandwidth thing. You yeah. know. Um, yeah. But I think you know, for us, like, it's not just about films; it's about culture yep. and art and, and sports, and you know what athletes are doing too. It's you know, it's less focused on the field just in general in life. I mean, yeah. we sat down with... Is it kind of like the struggles of athletes, too? The, I mean, I think some of the films are overcoming, but I think, you know, 
one thing we're, we started an interview series last year that we're going to pick up pretty soon, um, you know, interviewing athletes and talking to them about their stories. But it's more outside of sports. So, like, Michael Montgomery is a good example. He was a Texas A&M football player um, and then played for the Green Bay Packers. Um, so he, when he was in the practice field at A&M, he collapsed, um, was mm. rushed to the hospital, um, had heart surgery, he was born with a heart defect, had heart surgery, saved his life, let him continue his career, and then he, he played in Green Bay Packer, for the Green Bay Packers. Um, so, you know, I'm talking to him and I'm like, hey, you know, I want to have athlete ambassadors as part of the festival, um, but I also want to do the interview series and do an interview with you and then create a kid's book on your story. Yeah. Um, and then eventually we'll turn those into animated films. But I mean, his story's, you know, super powerful. I mean, his mom was a, a former Olympic basketball player. Wow. Um, so the women in sports, I think, will have her down for that. Nice. Um, but, it, you know, it's if kids have heart surgery, like you've got a book about an athlete that's, you know, easy for them to read, easy to digest, and makes them feel more comfortable with what's going on. And also looking at athletes differently. We had Garrick Jones, who played for the Houston Texans involved. We're doing some NFTs with him. Um, and, and looking to integrate more with him and his company. He's got fan-centric, and, which is he's doing a whole metaverse, um, and he's really smart. Um, you know, we just sat down last night for like an hour with like, it was me, him, Michael, um, another guy, Azuma, um, and, and just talk business and kind of what they're trying to do, what we're trying to do, how we can integrate and, and grow together. And I think yeah. that's the, the big thing for me is finding partners that we can grow with. Yeah, that was, that was gonna be the next question I led into was what sort of team do you have around you to help you succeed? Yeah, I mean, so right now it's, it's me, um, it's Autumn, um, you know, Derek's being, Derek's being drafted on the team. Um, you know, I mean, I think, in the, you know, hopefully in the next week or two I can sit down with Kirby and, and talk to him. I know we've talked a little bit, but, um, you know, once he's kind of back at full speed, um, I want to talk to him. And then, and then just, you know, one thing that you mentioned before is just delegating. So we were able to do that a lot this year. So we worked at teams, Danny at Team Savage, so they put on the car show. Um, so we had them, you know, it's kind of like siloing the events, but still keeping them attached, right? So he put that on. Garrick Jones was able to bring in some NFL athletes and do the NFTs and, and an athlete lounge. Um, and a guy named Kareem helped us with that. Um, and he's, Kareem's amazing. Like, it, you talk about somebody that knows everybody and just really personable, really smart, and just going up and introducing himself. He's, I mean, he's amazing. Um, so he's been a big help. Um, you know, and then just growing out, out from there. Um, we have start, I've started just not networking, but just there is a kind of a group of like five or ten people in Houston that I've met that are all in the same group that are starting businesses and entrepreneurs. So just kind of getting to know them more and helping, you know, spread the word. Um, Roland Martinez with uh, InCrowd. Um, and they're. Oh, I like Roland. Yeah, yeah he's great. Yeah. He's great. Um, you know, so I have to follow up with him next week too. You know, so I think it's just, yeah, building out the team now. And, and bringing people on that can that can help, and then you know monetizing it, bringing on sponsors, and we have a nonprofit too. So I mean, that's yeah, tell be us huge a little bit us. more about that. Yeah, so well, let me I'll backtrack a little bit and tell you kind of how the festival started. So I was doing stuff for freelance for ESPN Magazine, Sports Illustrated. Actually, it was when Getty Images and Wire Image got huge, and digital photography, you know, was taking over the world, and the publishing industry obviously was not doing well. You talk about an industry that collapsed. That's yeah. you know a big one. Um, so I saw the writing on the wall and realized like Sports Illustrated wasn't going to hire staff photographers. Um, 
and which was my goal since I was like eight. But you know, shooting freelance with them was was amazing, and especially ESPN Magazine. I got to go to a party at the Playboy Mansion. Um, Damn! <laughs> during the X Games, which was a lot of fun. My grandfather was so happy. Um, <laughs> the X Games really too. Is that still around? Yeah. 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 yeah I want to do an integration. In I used to love watching the X Games growing up, dude. Oh, it I was know. Fun. Uh, the summer X Games was my. It was show. like the Olympics of cool sports. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dirt bikes and biking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the for, yeah, my first time from ES for ESPN Magazine was the Winter X Games. In Aspen, dope, and it, it was insane. I mean, I was living in Colorado all the time. I just graduated, um, and you know, he's like, "I'll give you a trial assignment." I don't know what that meant. I don't know if he was paying me, you know. And I called my dad, and I'm like, "Hey, you know, I mean, it's should I just get a hotel room? Should I rent the equipment? You know, what should I do?" He's like, "Yeah, you're not going to turn it down." So he's like, "Whatever you need, I'll pay for." So he's like, "We rented, dope. you know, it was like five hundred dollars in camera rental. Um, it was like five hundred dollars a night for the hotel." Which was like? Did you just get a big thank you at the end of it, or did they compensate no, 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 no. you? <laughs> they, they, yeah, we got paid. Well, it was funny because because I rented this, you know, it's like a one bedroom studio, whatever. <laughs> but it, they had a hot tub on the balcony that, that led to the one of the fields, like in the center of town in Aspen. You had three Playboy bunnies with you. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, that's really cool. We did though. some late night parties. But it's really cool though that your dad was supportive. I mean, from from this all the way back to buying you your first freaking, letting you buy your first little Polaroid and buying yeah. the film. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, they've been. I mean, parents have been hugely supportive, and I mean, he's been a sports fan his whole life, and, yeah. and played sports, and um, and my mom's artistic and an artist, yeah. photographer, photographer, and, and she used to she used to do black and white photos and then paint yeah. them. Um, so it's almost miss, like you're a blend of yeah, them. Yeah, no, I literally, I am <laughs> literally a blend of them. Well, and that's yeah, I mean, and and so when I moved back to Houston, I did an internship at the Houston Chronicle, really to kind of not shoot sports and do storytelling, focus mm -hmm. on that. Um, and then at the end of that, I, I was looking for a sports story to do on an athlete off the field. Um, and just saw a blurb on ESPN.com that said, UT baseball player Carson Kiner needs a kidney transplant. Um, so I was like, hmm, this sounds like an interesting story. Um, so Let me I, go ask some questions. Huh? Let me go ask him some questions. Yeah, so that, well, that, there's, all, there's, there's some good stories to be told there, too. Like most people, when they, when they highlight athletes, it's all about what's on the field. Yeah, I mean, these stories are incredible. So I... Through a friend of a friend, got in touch with them because I knew if I went to UT through their media relations, they would say he's not interested, right? That's just they just throw up the wall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so he's from Tom Ball, so he was you know from Houston, and got in touch with them, and I said, hey, you know, I just want to do a photo essay. It was supposed to be a photo essay. Um, just want to document your story, and he was like, sure, no problem. We had lunch, and that you know, he was like, cool. So the story, so the story is that he played at UT, was on the team that won the World Series in 2005. Got drafted by the Reds after the season in 2006. Was about to sign, and his doctor said, "Don't sign. He had to have a kidney transplant, which he had known all his life he'd have to have." Um, he was going to Texas Children's uh, from the time he was like two. Well, so he's like, "Okay, horrible timing." Um, but his dad was the kidney donor. His dad played pro ball when he was younger. His, oh man! His, his uncle played for the Rangers. I mean, very big baseball lineage in the family. Yeah. Um, so he had the surgery at Texas Children's. I. The surgery got pushed back a month because his dad got sick, and I don't know if you guys know, but you you know if you're sick at all, you can't have a transplant surgery. Um, More curveballs. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, Max baseball reference yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Max baseball. Oh, reference. you didn't even know you did that. I didn't know. <laughs> More curveballs. I see what huh? you did there. He didn't even know. <laughs> Taking credit back. Derek's like, he'll get it in a minute. Oh, that's cute. Um, yeah, so hey, I he, made the reference. I know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, so he. You know, so he had the surgery at Texas Children's. I mean, it's interesting because his dad was like, I think in his 50s at the time. And, you know, he's like walking around, you know, with, with an IV around Texas Children's with him and his son. There's, you know, two-year-olds, five-year-olds um, walking around there too. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he had the surgery about a, 
two weeks into it, I was like, there's more to a story here. Like, it, since they had that film background at Colorado, I was just like, this is this could be a film. So I started shooting with two cameras, doing it all myself. Um, you know, no budget, no funding. I was just doing this on my own. Out of passion, out yeah, of love. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love um, it. And, yeah, so we had the surgery. Everything went well. It was like a, God, I think an eight- or ten-hour surgery. Um, and... Um, and, uh, yeah, so he had the surgery, everything went well. He had a press conference two weeks later saying, you know, the surgery went great. I feel, I mean, right after you have a transplant, you feel amazing because your body is functioning. Almost, well, it's or... functioning at a way higher level than you, than you were before, you know, because basically it goes on a steady decline, the percentage of kidney function, until I think, I forget if it's like 15% or 8% where, where you can qualify to have a transplant. And they won't even, like he knew he'd have to have a transplant at some point, but they won't test family members until it gets... To the time, to that time, yeah. Um, so lucky, I mean, luckily his dad was a match because if you have a living relative donor, the chances are way higher that that the kidney will take and the body won't reject it. So has this story already been put together? Yeah. So so he yeah. So he had a press conference saying he couldn't sign with the Reds because he had to go had the surgery and then he was going back to Texas for a senior year and the Reds called him like three weeks after that and said, hey, we still want to sign you. So he ended up signing with them like a month or two after his transplant. Got mm -hmm. the same money he was offered before. Um, you know, yeah. he was, he wasn't, he was drafted, I think, God, I think in the maybe 15th round. I mean, I think he would have been like a third to fifth round draft pick without the, the transplant issue. Um, you know, so it wasn't a ton of money because we know with minor leaguers, they don't make a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but I think that's hopefully changing a little bit. Um, but so he signed with them and I drove to spring training with them. I mean, the Reds gave me all access cause I was with the athlete. Um, and we were on the minor league side, but I mean, he was playing with Todd Frazier and a, a bunch of the big, the big red stars back in the day. Um, in the minors, and I followed documented for about four and a half years throughout his career. He got up to double A and then got released. Um, so I had about seven years of content, but I had no ending of the story, right? Because it's <laughs> like, what's ending? He just gets to play and, <laughs> and then he, he gets released. Playing baseball. Yeah. Um, well, and, I, and, and it just, you know, I knew like him like succeeding in baseball, getting in the majors wasn't the real story. I mean, in the back of your mind, like, oh, if he makes it to the majors, like, this is going to be amazing, right? Like, that's the story. Um, but he, he was already engaged, decided after he got released to have a family, um, living, you know, more normal life. Um, and so they had a kid really quickly after they, him and his wife, Lacey, um, had a kid, um, a son right after he stopped playing. So I happened to be in Austin with him for the UT alumni game, which was just supposed to be like a party weekend. Um, and Friday, it was going to be Saturday and Friday night. He's like, Hey, the game's going to get rained out. Do you mind if we drive back to Houston tonight? Because it's my son's first game. Um, and I was like, sure. So luckily I had all my gear with me, drove to Houston, slept at his house. Wait, from Cincinnati? No, 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 from Austin. 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 Oh. Because he went to UT. Yeah. Oh, this is after oh. he stopped playing. I yeah, thought you were yeah. talking about the Reds still. No, no, no. He had, this is after he'd gotten released. Okay, okay, um, okay. Like a, a year, well, Excuse I guess four me. years after he got released. Um, I stopped taking notes from no, me. No, 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 yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, I may mess up the timeline too. But he, um, so I shot his, his son, him getting his son ready, like he'd gotten ready for all his games. Carson was on field coaching nice. his son. Carson's dad was there cheering him on. And so I've got like this three minutes of content. Plus, there's nothing cuter than like three or four year olds playing baseball because it looks more like a football or rugby game. You know, <laughs> somebody hits the ball, they all run and collide in this big pile to get the ball. And, you know, and then they'll either run to the base or they'll throw it to first or, you know, second or the outfield. Um, yeah, so I had this three minutes of content and went an interview with Carson and, and I was like, okay, I've got a film. You know, so then it, it goes to, you know, post post production and editing the footage and knocking it down and, you know, trying to raise a bunch of money for, for that. And then 
it was a first time filmmaker figuring out how to edit, like <laughs> how to story tell, right? It, again, yeah. like I, I think inherently I knew how to story tell. And I, but did I anyone know, give you a manual to how to do it? No, um, no, I went through three editor, two or three editors that were, yep. you know, not great. Um, and then I, I went, found this guy, Matt Kahn, and um, he, I mean, he was amazing. I mean, it, we worked on it for probably four months, maybe, maybe it was less, maybe it was more. Um, but I mean, I really learned how to story tell, tell through that process. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I, it's interesting. I interviewed Augie Garrido, um, like I think six months before he passed away. What was his last name? Augie Garrido was the UT baseball coach. Okay. Um, and it was after he retired. Um, he was living in California and he had, he had consult. I mean, he was, he got in, he used to coach, I think in Long Beach or, or somewhere in California. So he got into kind of the. Hollywood scene um, and got close, I think, with Kevin Costner, a couple other actors, um, and being like an expert on on a film set. Um, I was talking to him, and he's like, he's like, films are hard, man. He's like, you're responsible for every second of what's in that film. There has to yeah. be a reason for every second. And it just, I was just like, oh wow, I didn't even think about it like that. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I mean, nobody told me that in film school. You know, I mean, I thought right. I was making a movie. Even even every little thing is it has to be very intentional too. Yeah, like a lot of people don't realize that. Like yeah. when they watch movies and stuff, they're just watching it and not even thinking about every little last thing, even from this being on the table, like everything has yeah. is thought out, planned out, yada, yada. Even the Red Bull that the guy is drinking in the show. Red Bull paid them probably $100,000 for that guy to drink that drink for yeah, a couple I mean, seconds. Yeah, I mean, documentaries are a little bit differently, yeah. different, but but it's still, you're still, when you're editing, you have to tell the story, and you have to have mm -hmm. trust of the family to tell the story, Yeah, you know? Um, so, yeah, so we got that film edited. Um, I started applying to film festivals. I had no contacts in the film world. Um, you know, again, just like, let's do this and, and just make it happen. Right. Yep. Um, so was applying to film festivals, was living in New York at the time. The Reds were in town playing the Mets at City Field during the Tribeca Film Festival. So I'm like, okay, this is perfect. You've got the Reds, the team he used to play for in the, in the minors coming in town during the film festival, perfect merging of sports oh, entertainment. Wow. You've got, you know, a cause attached to the film, <laughs> organ donor awareness. And I'm like, this will be perfect. So I, Wrote a letter to you know one of the heads of Tribeca. Got a you know reply, thanks but no thanks, basically <laughs> letter. Um, and I'm j it was. Did you write him back? Huh? Did you write him back? I don't the think I time? wrote it. No, I don't think I did. I was just like you know it was so frustrating because it was just like the perfect timing of the Reds happened to be in town, you know. Um, but it just got me thinking. You know, it's like okay, what are my hurdles to getting out there? You know, basically for independent filmmakers, you have to get into the festival. Um, I mean, now it's changing a little bit just because you, there's the so much online, world. digital yeah. world, and there's so many platforms. But still, you know, you do a whole, whole press tour if you're in a festival, and kind of it's still a huge impact to, to do it with a film festival. Um, looking at landscape, I realized it wasn't a major sports film festival in the U.S., and I was just blown away. I'm like, how is there not one? I mean, it's, it's, there's thousands of festivals. I mean, Houston probably has 50 or 100 film festivals. I mean, every demographic, background, religion – um, you know, there's, there's like a, there's, I think it's called kicking and screening. There's a soccer film festival. Um, there, and there's a couple other sports specific ones, but there wasn't a major one in the U S uh, sports. Um, so that's how I started to do it. I'm kind of take my ball and go home and <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and brought it back to Houston and, you know, started planning the, the reason we picked June of 21 was because the world transplant games were supposed to be here. So I was like, we'll have 3000, 5,000 people in town. You know, we'll show my film, get some other films on Oregon Don't Awareness. And, you know, it'll be a, not easy, but it'll be, you know. It'll be right on it, time. Right, right on time. And you'll have an audience base that's built in, um, you know, and then obviously we started planning it and then COVID hit. And it's, it's like, what do you do? And people like, don't do it. Just stop, you know, but like, you have to do it. Like you had, 
you have to even if it was super painful because there were films that like nobody saw but there are also films that even you know if there were five people watching this film five people have now seen that film that that had never seen it before yeah. and they've heard the story and they can tell their friends about the story yeah. and, and that message cause might cause ripples in the world yeah one it'll grow over time yeah mm -hmm. um, exactly that's the other thing about films and, and and media in general living online now is it's always there it's always there it's and, and retrospectively i mean you know the other thing i did last year was i you know i didn't know what films we were gonna get when people submitted you know i was i mean really happy with what we got but i i was like okay what can we do films or athletes that have been in the past and you know, I mean, it was right in the middle of the Black Lives Matter movement and, and um, police brutality and, and just other things that were going anti anti-Semitism, racism. Um, and it was like, you know, and that's what led me to say, hey, well, there's all these athletes that have crossed barriers on the field and fought and had a voice, you know, like Muhammad Ali and Althea Gibson uh, and others. And why don't we highlight them? So we showed a, a couple of those films last year. And that's, you know, looking back, starting a new conversation on that yeah. um, and that's uh, for me it's it's bringing people together and starting conversations what's well, one of your favorite films that you've made well i mean i only have the the the, the one baseball film okay um but i think you know that's been in the festival there was a, a tennis film last year there were two there's one this year too but there was a tennis film last year that i think really you know if i was like okay this is if i before the festival before i got a submission like this is one of the films that like i would love to have it was on um a tennis player from cameroon who taught himself how to play tennis with the hip bone of a cow. So he took wow. the hip bone of a cow, shaved it down, and would just hit with like a makeshift ball against a wow. wall. Um, he became number one tennis player in Cameroon, played on the ATP tour for a while. This is like, I think, 20 or 30 years ago. Um, and his name's Joseph Abayu. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was just in, in, it's called, I think it's called Cross Court Cultures. Um, but it was just an incredible story. And then he yeah. now spends half the year in Connecticut teaching the country club and the other half of the year going back to Cameroon teaching tennis at the academy. You know, but tennis and learning. Still, I mean, does he still use the hippopotamus bone? Cowbone. Cowbone. Cowbone, sorry, sorry. Cowbone. Is that Cowbone? Really? They're still there? Yeah. I, I, they're this, they're close, close. They're both big animals. Yeah. Um, um, what did you say, the brisket bone? I don't bone? think so. <laughs> That'd be dope. Yeah. Kids, this, this is how you really play tennis. Oh, yeah, right. Get your hippopotamus fever. Get your hippopotamus fever. We Derek's favorite, favorite animal. <laughs> spell it. Spell hip, hip hop, hip hop anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> no but uh that's dope like i mean I, I think that that's very important in itself is like getting sports to underserved communities overall yeah, yeah like, for sure and, and allowing people that in in some of the countries that don't have those opportunities like it, it just overarching reaching them and and getting them inspired and, and wanting to play sports and then they can make huge differences and waves throughout the world as well yeah i mean it's just access too i mean yeah. that's what it comes down to you know so i mean so we've got that film from last year we've got a film this is my tennis um this year which is vignettes on five or six tennis players um kind of five minute pieces um uh you know going through coming through the the njtl's national genius G National Junior Tennis and Learning Centers, um, so it's not just tennis education too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so the goal with that is to is just do a screening, pop up screening during the Rooks Tennis Tournament um, with those two films and, and use those as cause base to raise money for the films. Um, yeah. So we're rolling out the virtual programming today and tomorrow. So we'll have the virtual festival will live on um, from today until probably the end of the Super Bowl. So Super Bowl Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, so people can go to the website ISFF. 
ISFH.org um, and, and get a link to the virtual festival too. And it's, I think it's. What's cheap. the website again? ISFH.org. So International, Sports. International Sports Film Festival. Houston.org. Houston. Yeah. Um, Thanks for the clarification, gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, do you ever do films on uh, coaches? We will, yeah. I mean, I, there's a there's several films that I want to do. Why? That sounds like a that sounds like an inside actually, joke. No tell one him, knows this. No one tell knows me, this. Tell but him, he Barry. actually coaches kids football. Coached. Coach. Don't oh, yeah, do it currently. Okay. Okay. You retired. All of our viewers out here. Well, they actually asked me to come back for a third season this year, but uh, you're still negotiating the contract. Yeah, negotiating the contract. <laughs> See, they're asking me to do volunteer work, and I'm saying I want to do a complimentary. So they're saying these are two different. <laughs> are, you, are you trying to get like you're arguing between like Taco Bell and Chick Fil A? Yeah. Kind of... Well, he's wondering if you could shoot a film on him. Yeah, you hey, I like me on camera. Let's take a look. I look good on camera, man. You sure. <laughs> What's your budget? Man, <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, and, uh, we'll, well, talk, you to, we'll talk to the, the film. Yeah. You flip it and invest it. You could probably turn out making a lot of money. Yeah, just exactly. shoot it, go ahead and put it together. We'll see what happens. I'll just be on the camera, just going, "Hey, hey. it'll make millions." He, right? he doesn't wear so, uh, he doesn't wear shoes while he coaches, so they call him Coach Barefoot. He I just do. runs around in his bare feet. Yes, I do. You want to know why? You want to know why? I mean, no, but sure. Are. Of course, we want to know why. What animal do you know wears shoes? I mean, I'm Other actually interesting. I'm thinking about creating a shoe line for dogs with my friends. So we'll see. <laughs> well, that might be cute. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but no, seriously, I tell them, what kind of animal do you know wear shoes? And they go, what about horses? I go, man. <laughs> the kids say that? Yeah. That's fucking They're smarter than me. Yeah. Because I didn't think of no animal that's horseshoes. Duh. And then I say, no, man, put those on horses. you got to let the animal out on the field, youngsters. Now, mind you, I have a cutoff T-shirt, like shirt cut off, and it's tucked into my gym shorts, okay? No shoes. I look whistle. goofy. Whistle? Huh? You got a whistle? No. No whistle. No. No, no. But I'd just be screaming. I'd be, <laughs> I'd be screaming. And it allows me to scream freely. Take a lap, kid. Yeah. <laughs> Quit jacking around. Take a lap. And <laughs> they usually do it. Usually. Yeah, that's why. That's why. You're going to wake up one morning with horseshoes on your feet and you're like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> Little Jacob is going to be like, all right, enough of Coach Barefoot's crap. We're stapling his feet with metal. Right, <laughs> T. Oh my God! No, okay, no, so do you have you. Any, line do you, dancing? Do you have any uh, future plans? Any other other films that you plan on producing yourself or, or, or shooting yourself? Yeah, up? so I think so. Um, yeah, I think more producing and helping films. There were a couple of films that got submitted that I think just weren't. I think the stories are good. They just weren't, weren't right, where they need to be. Yet. Yeah, well, and I think part of it's budget. I think they don't have the budget. Yeah. I think they don't have the resources to make it. Um, but one of them is called The Lucky Eleven. It's about um, eleven athletes during the civil rights era. Um, football players at, I believe it was Middle Tennessee. Um, civil, uh, civil, civil rights era, oh, okay. civil rights movement era. Um, and just telling their story. So I think that's one that we're going to raise some money for. Um, you know, and the other thing we're doing, so I kind of said before, we have a nonprofit. So the nonprofit is called Through the Lens Houston. Uh, my mom ta taught at Beller High School. Um, she actually taught, like, I think history when I, right before I was born, um, and then took a break while she had you know, three kids and then went back. Uh, I guess like, God, I don't even remember the timing, like 10, 12 years ago. Um, and she taught art and photography at Beller. Um, she started through the Lens Houston as a nonprofit to help kids get AP credit um, and into college through photography. Nice. Oh, nice. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was a great program. Um, and they, they had a uh, exhibit at Museum of Fine Arts Houston every year, um, which the Yates High School, I believe, still has the exhibit. Mm -hmm. um, but she, she retired like a year or two before COVID, and then COVID yeah. happened. Um, <laughs> and so I was looking at 
creating a nonprofit and realized that she had this one that was already formed just sitting there, not not active. Uh, so you're able to change the mission um, to just extend the mission, basically, to teaching kids how to storytell through photography and film. Yeah, nice. So they can tell their own stories. So we'll be act- activating in the community. Um, we'll be doing workshops. Um, and then, I, you know, giving back to filmmakers, too. So one of the things that we're rolling out, I think, this week, we'll see how it goes. It's going to be interesting. Um, is virtual VIP rooms hosted by athletes. Nice. Um, so Michael Montgomery is going to host one, um, and I think he's going to. We're going to screen a film called Salute, which is on the 1968 Olympics. Um, the story, you know, from the, the Black Power Salute that um, Tommy Smith and John Carlos did mm-hmm. on the podium. Um, what's really interesting is there was a third athlete on the podium, a white athlete from Australia, named Peter Norman. And he, did he do it too? He didn't, but he had a, a humanitarian <laughs> unity pin on. Um, and he knew what they were doing and supported them. And he was ostracized by the Australian wow. Olympic Committee and, and, and just people in general wow. um, because of that. Uh, what did he do? He just stood wore a humanitarian yeah. pin. Yeah. Well, I mean, just supporting black athletes. And, and, you know, there was a lot of racism back then. Um, obviously, clearly, there's still <clears throat> some. But, um, you know, it's a really powerful film. And, and Peter's, I think it was his nephew, was the director of the film, made the film. You know, and, and so it tells kind of their story through Peter's eyes and what happened to Peter afterwards and, and mm-hmm. how he, you know, kind of, I think, eventually reclaimed, you know, not reclaimed, but, um, you know, was honored for what he did. Uh, but I think it's a powerful story for, you know, kids and adults here, right? Like, yeah. stand up for what's right, stand up for what yeah. you believe in. Did you, you know? see the uh, Did you see the Pam Francis sports one? You, you, did I did. You? So, pretty cool. yeah, so what's really cool is that I actually assisted her before oh. I moved to New York. I was one of her photo assistants. Pam Francis? Yeah. Wow. I know. That was really that's another really cool thing we did at, at Post is like so Pam Francis is a really really uh popular photographer. She she tells stories through photography just kind of like what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, more portrait based. Yeah. yeah. And so uh she shot like all the, like a lot of the big time celebrities especially from the south and so kind of in congruence with uh the International Sports Film Festival, we we you know showcased a lot of Pam Francis's work. She shot all the big this was about owners, players, coaches, everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the bigger athletes in Houston, the one you had up for the opening weekend or the opening opening weekend and stayed up for a couple months yeah. until we switched out was um, was on mainly musicians. Musicians. The Sound um, of the South is for, yeah, for Pam yeah. Francis. Um, call it. And she was great. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, just could not be nicer. Yeah. Um, always willing to, to lend a hand um, to anybody. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it's sad that we lost her yeah shout out to christine starkman too man she's amazing yeah uh she kind of helps us curate those but it's even kind of cool like you talk about how how good of a person uh pam francis was you know she like she shot like he's saying the the first exhibit we did was all the musicians from kind of the south houston and a little bit more of texas and stuff uh but i mean not just like uh, zz top and and selena quintanilla like not just all them but also a lot of like really street really like rappers, gangster, yeah, rappers. rappers yeah and christine used to uh tells us stories about how pam would talk about how like uh she would show up to these photos. She'd try to set these photo shoots with like Slim Thug and like Bumpy, Pimp C, Big Mo, like all these real big popular gangster rappers. And they get there and she's just like this <clears throat> this white girl and they're there with their huge entourages. And she said it was, it's, it's, it's a, uh, Pam would talk about it. it's a very interesting experience to try and dis, dis, disarm them and get them to just be comfortable yeah. getting getting them to shoot. And then they realize like how great of a girl, she uh, woman that Pam was. Yeah, but I mean, that's, you know, it's... I mean, a lot of photography is problem solving, but yeah. it's being a people person too. Nice. You have to, you know, you talk about having to go out and you know try and sell something. Like 
you know, you're walking around a lot of the, the <clears throat> things you have to do or feature photography when you're working in a newspaper, and it's you have to go shoot kids in a park having fun, and then you have to like get their names and introduce yourself and tell them what you yeah. know what you're doing. Um, and it's, uh, well, I mean, remember where we used to run around with our cameras, man? Mm-hmm. Man, yeah. we, so that's how we started each town. Yeah, that whole creating a story with the photography. That was our bread and butter at first. We would go to every, all these restaurants, all these bars, all these events, all these club owners. We would go there and we would do photography. And basically throughout the night, it's like you get the people that are taking the pictures. You're like, hey, get together real quick. Hey, Sean Happy, I'm taking pictures. They're like, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> and then at the end of the night, you're like, "Hey, it's Sean Happy Hour," and they're like, "Wee!" You know what I'm saying? So it's a, so it's a it's it's a dynamic also because from the intro pictures and then they go yeah, yeah. then they go into the the lifetime of the night yeah. party and then the end of the night right. the last you got like 12 14 people together throwing the H's up just you know what I mean like but yeah. it, perfect reference too like us having to be people people and go like be be people persons and go out there and, and convince people to get together you know they're there with their friends and having drinks Some, a lot of them are just like uh, keep walking what are you talking about but trying to engage <laughs> them and get them to be comfortable enough to take their photos hey we're gonna take a picture and put it on the internet yep y'all ready what's <laughs> the internet what's the what's internet, internet? Right? Yeah, right? what's the metaverse no <laughs> but I mean I mean that's how we built ourselves that's how we started we're just going bar to bar club to club and taking photos for free yeah. Just not even talking to the bar owners and stuff. Promoters, screw yeah. all that. We just, just show it up with cameras. <laughs> <laughs> who are y'all? Peep, peep it out. Yep, people yeah. go on the website. People go to our social media to see the photos we would take of them. And I mean, that's how. That's literally how we started to build. And our then you brand. would blackmail them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Sure. Either follow us, or we're letting your family know. Yeah. yeah. All right. Hey, yep. uh, hey. One other question, just to kind of you know, in in conclusion here, what are some golden nuggets that you may pass along to the next? Uh, person interested in uh, photography, filmmaking, and things of that nature. I mean, I think just try it and learn as you're trying it. Reach out to us. Like we're we're here to help. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I, there are some films I want to do and maybe direct like one or two, but it's really more about producing and, and giving the next generation a chance to succeed. Yeah. Um, I think you get a point in your career, and it's like, especially for me, like I don't have to like be the person behind the camera, mm-hmm. but you can have ideas and help other people be more creative um and that's one thing i want to talk to you guys too i mean i I would love to start a creative studio at the post yeah um you know not just as a business but giving back to the community i mean talk about through through the lens houston we can literally have kids come in have workshops teach them how to story tell with photography and film or just storytelling in general i mean storytelling is the most important thing i think anybody can have as they go through life in a job market because no matter what job you're doing, I mean, obviously you're doing this, like you're storytelling. Yep. Creating That's the post, exactly you're storytelling. Exactly. So if, if you can teach them how to storytell, they already have a leg up on everybody. I mean, and, and kids are obsessed with YouTube right now. And that's all YouTube is. That's all it is. That's all making videos is storytelling. Yeah, a lot these of bad are, storytelling, are, but yeah. <laughs> hey, but they're telling stories yeah, and they entertaining are. people. Yeah. And there's people making a lot of money from it. Yeah. yeah you, my, the biggest thing that will always baffle me is that people are getting paid to stream on video Themselves, games. Themselves, like, yeah. I'm like, Bro, I'm like, you mean you're you... playing Fork Knife online? But listen, Fork it's, I, <laughs> listen. And you're getting paid to play Fork listen, Knife? it's not even just about that. They're being, they're commentators. You know what I'm saying? They're, like it's, narrators. They're, not, they're, 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 it's their personalities that are getting these people to watch them play video games. It's, if the ones that just, very rarely do you find these big, uh, big, 
stream personalities that don't show their face and aren't talking while they're doing it. And the ones that really are making a lot of money in this stuff, millions of dollars, guys, these kid, kid, kids and adults making millions of dollars, they're, they're commentating. Mm. They're, they're talking. They're engaging their audience. They're mm. talking to their audience. They're responding. while Because take it even a step further. A lot of them are really good at these video games they play. Really good. They're also, while they're playing their video games, they're watching their comments and they're engaging, reading people's comments. And kicking and, butt in the game. Kicking butt in the game. Wow. Like there's I didn't actually even think a about lot that. more. There's a lot more to it than people. Yeah, but get. what if we teach them how to story tell the films in their community or things that are going on in their community too? Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, to make yeah. an impact. I mean, that's yep. for me. That's the value of what we're trying to do is is give kids the opportunity using social media for good. Yeah, you know, I mean, my goal is social media implodes before my kids are old enough to be on it. But <laughs> from a mental health perspective, it's not going no, to happen. Um, <laughs> I mean, people always ask us what is H Town Happy Hour, and I feel like. You know, it's everything happening in Houston, first and foremost. Let's be but, clear. Uh, <laughs> my favorite thing to tell them is, like, uh, it, it's the truth. It's about humor and, like, motivation. And, like, there's so much just junk on the Internet. All we all we try to preach with 3H on Happy Hour is, like, try to entertain people, like, in, in, in good humor and, and motivate them. Like, uh doing this podcast and stuff trying to teach. Like, right now, getting your golden nuggets and giving them to our audience. And... I mean that I, that's I think how you can use social media in an effective yeah, way for and sure. in a positive way because not not just not just in a sexy person way or like something like yeah, that. It's pictures like, of Derek. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> flexing, you know what I'm saying? Don't get it wrong. Where's, where's the, the definition, man? Where's the definition of that? I mean, you can you, social media is not like it's not going to implode, bro. It's here to stay. No, no, I know. Um, and so. You can use, you know, fill people's timeline with good shit. Yeah, um, and I think that's, you know, I guess I'm trying to fit one or two more things in here if we got time. Well, yeah, then also it's inspirational for other people, too. Yeah. Because, I mean, because, I mean, has there, you know, there's been times where, where we put these videos out of our podcast and things like that. And we hear back from peers back from six, seven years ago that may have said, what are these two clowns doing? They'll never make it. And now they're, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but it's like now they're able to watch us in the consistency that we've done and persist in this, they can say, wow, way to go. Keep yeah. grinding, keep hustling. That's yep. it's inspirational yeah. to watch this. Yeah. And it's, you know, people are like, you know, I don't know how you did that. Like, I, you know, I, mean, I, I don't know either, emails from people and they're like, good job. And I'm like, thanks. It wasn't perfect, yeah, but right. we made it happen. Right. That, well, um, you know how you did it? You did it. You, you've explained it through this whole thing. You did it. You didn't wait till it was perfect. You went out and did it. You learned as you go and you, you build a team and you just do, do, do. And you yeah. went out there, you knocked on, knocked on the doors and banged, banged down the doors and, 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 you know, props to you, bro. Thanks. Because yeah, I mean, I think that the next thing we need to do is just outreach them, especially with the, the March women in sports reach out to the little leagues softball and there really kind of get the kids because my my like dream scenario with this over the next year or two is to have monthly screenings at the at the post um you know again like probably the first weekend of every month and then and have be that we focused on sports activities and the sports films mm -hmm. and then partner with the river oaks theater which is now just being saved and revitalized and having that as being the more film-centric location because you've got two totally different audience bases yeah. right you've got i mean the younger generation, which is, will pull in with the activities and at the post, and the older generation, which wants a film-centric theater. Um, and the other thing we have going on, which I'm super, I'm really excited about, which we've pushed it back twice now, um, is screening Adidas vs. Puma at the Holocaust Museum in Houston. And I don't know, I don't think a lot of people realize when I when I tell them what we're screening there, they're kind of like, oh, wow, that's that's interesting. Why why that venue? Because they think of a Holocaust Museum as just a place that 
solemn and somber. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's amazing. It, it's the one in Houston is unbelievable. Um, yeah. So I mean, it, it's they've got um, they've got an exhibit up now that it's just fighting hate for you know any kind of hate, anti discrimination yeah. on Asians. Um, uh, racist racism and everything, and they've got this amazing program called Engines of Change, which is for high school students all over the city. So it's not they've got I think around sixty students in it. So it's not just Jewish students from every every background, um, and it happens to be that their project this year is a photo project um, based on the Declaration of Human Rights. So they have to take a photo of, of something that represents one of the human rights. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm going to lead that with them, nice. and then what we're going to do is the film we're screening is called Adidas vs. Puma, and it's an amazing story. So two brothers founded those companies. Um, they founded, One is Adidas, one is Puma? Yeah, Holy one's Adidas. Shit, so that, no yeah, idea. yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a German-language film with English subtitles, but beautifully <coughs> shot. I found it randomly um, like a year or two ago. And they had the fir- one of the first athletic shoe companies in the world in the 1920s called Dossler Brothers Shoe Company. And it was formed in a small town in Germany. Um, Jesse Owens, you talk about the power of sports, Jesse Owens wore their shoes in the 1936 Olympics. So, you know, historically, like looking back, after you know what happened with the Holocaust, you, you know, if you think about it, you've got a black man wearing German-made shoes literally stomping down white supremacy with every step he took on the track, um, which, which is crazy, right? And, and what's even further than that, so the, the relay race, when he got his last gold medal, there were two Jewish athletes who were supposed to run in that. And every Brundage from the IOC, the USOC was, was um, anti-Semitic. So he didn't let those two Jewish runners run. Um, one of them was named Sam Stoller and Marty Glickman. Marty Glickman, after he stopped his running career, um, and I, I should also say Jesse Owens and their athletes stood up and said, hey, these guys should run. We don't, you know, we're not taking their spots, but they were forced into it. Um, but Marty Glickman, I only realized this like four months ago, became the preeminent, sports, preeminent sportscaster on the East Coast after he stopped playing. So he used to call the games in Madison Square Garden, all the college basketball games before the City College scandal um, kind of ruined basketball for a while there. Um, he was supposed to be the voice of the NBA, but the NBA was formed, the commissioner when it formed was Jewish, and the, the television the television C, the CEO from the television company, which I believe was a precursor to, to NBC, was Jewish also, and they decided they shouldn't have three Jewish people in charge of the league, which is crazy, right? You think like so he wasn't allowed to do that, but he became the voice of the, the New York Giants football, New York <coughs> Jets. He went on to train, I mean, every major sportscaster mm-hmm. in the world. So Marv Albert, Bob Costas, he trained Joe Namath. Um, I mean, giving back to that community. Yeah. Everybody that grew up, you know, in that age in the in the East Coast, like knows his name. So and there's a film already done on him. Yeah. So we're also gonna screen that. Um, and Glenn Davis, who's the voice in Dynamo, is going to help us um, with the Adidas vs. Puma film. Um, and we'll do, I think, a lot more soccer integrations and kind of help build up the World Cup that's, that we're going to get to. Um, but we'll do that and then do an activation for um, sports ca- kids for sportscasters so kids can learn how to be sportscasters. That's and get awesome, man. The local team sportscasters there, and ideally Michael Strahan, Hannah Storm, you know, Houston yeah. people that kind of have grown nationally. Um, you know, and overall, I think, you know, the goal with the festival and then also at Post is to help, you know, it, like we said, it's cultural space where you're, you know, you can present exhibits. But what if we also make it a creative space where you can cultivate the talent of Houston, so they don't go to New York, they don't leave, they don't, like you know, um, yeah. so it stays here. And so you if, have, yeah. yeah. So if anyone wanted to be a part of that with you, 
you know, what's a good way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, you know, you can email me. Um, it's on the website. It's on the festival website. It's josh at hisff.org since we switched the name <laughs> like two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, but we'll, that, uh, that email address will be, you know. And the website is what again? isffh.org. Um, what about your IG? IG is isffh underscore org. Yep, um, at isffh underscore. And then, what do you got? Facebook? What are the? What is uh, that? Yeah, that's, I think it's the same thing on Facebook. And then my personal Instagram, which I need to start posting on more, is Josh Merwin photo. Um, but uh, yeah, um, so that's it. You can follow us. And then, you know, like I said, we're going to be reaching out for donations and, and funding. Um, you know, and that's the biggest way to make an impact too for us right now. And then, and then also watch the virtual films. I mean, I think the virtual pass is like twenty five dollars for all the films. Hmm. Um, and I think there'll be like fifteen films. Um, so it's really, you know, and we're, what we're doing, which is really unique, is we're giving 20% of all the virtual money that comes in back to the filmmakers. We'll disperse wow. that equally through the That's awesome. Almost like a royalty. Yeah. That's dope. Well, it's, I mean, we'll have NFTs, you know, eventually we're, you know, lots of stuff, lots of fun stuff coming. Um, and then the virtual VP screening, which I started talking about, the ultimate goal is to raise $5,000 per room to unlock those films. And then the top eight donors will get to do a 30-minute Q&A after the film with that athlete wow um, so we'll roll that out too and, and then a third of the money will go to the athletes foundation or charity of their choice a third of the money will go to the festival and a third will go back to the filmmaker that made the film so which cool. is kind of unheard of so stay yeah, tuned for cool. the films folks yeah. stay tuned for the films because they're coming up yeah Absolutely, right. well, man. dude josh it was my bad no it was no, really nice having you on, bro. oh dang <laughs> <laughs> he cut his hand off I, I was i was defending clients from dang. high prices and oh, I cut I'm my so hand sorry. off. I'm yeah. so sorry, bro. And you're good, brother. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, dude. I'll just give you a fist bump. Yeah, so, I'm sorry. Take it easy. Although, I don't know. You're bigger than you me. Sure I feel like. You stuck that hand out there yeah, like that, did. dude. Dude, I was eating Papa's burger the other day, and I, and I was all by myself hanging out eating burgers. And then like after I left, I go up to the ma manager, and I was like, hey, uh, it was awesome. Thank you. And she was like, not a problem. And I was like, hey, thank you. And she just... Wham! And I just go. Ah! How does that? How does that feel with the hand sanitizer? Probably um, not very good. Uh, <laughs> don't use hand sanitizer. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Happy hour. See y'all next week. Thank you. Number one podcast in the world.